It is two minutes past 10. Joining us now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat from somewhere near Heartland. Hey, Al, cold enough for you? Ah, uh, man, you know, it, it It could be a lot colder, I True. think. It just makes us, it, it makes us tougher. And it makes yeah, the snow I, squeak. I love that squeaky, squishy sound when the car tires and your feet go on the snow. It's just kind of a cool sound. I was just uh, telling my bride, I went for a little walk, and I said, that, boy, the snow was just about as noisy as it gets this <laughs> morning. It was, well, I think it was 16 below or something at that time, and I just, uh, but you know, I, yesterday a friend stopped, and I'd gone down to get the mail, and he pulled in with his car, and we're old teammates, and just, you know, going through all the thing, same things that life gives you. And I stood there for, I suppose, a half hour uh, talking to him outside in the sunlight. And uh, maybe it was just the warmth of his company, but it was was nice. Uh, That sun was just enough to keep me uh, warm, and I I wasn't in any hurry to get back indoors. So it's one of those odd things that happens in odd times. Hmm. The one morning it was uh, one above zero. And uh, crows had gathered in the woods near my window, and I thought it was a murder in the first degree. <laughs> so for folks, the, a, a group of flock of crows is called a murder, and it was one above zero. And and I laughed. I fell on on the ground and just laughed at myself because that's that's what that's what men do sometimes. We we my mom always used to say when us kids would laugh about something is oh he cracks himself up or uh, found a teehee's nest with a ha-ha's egg in it and I, I guess i did for just an instant there i i was filling the feeders and a friendly chickadee landed on the feeder while i was filling it wow and it was really cool the little chickadee was feeding on those niger seeds uh, some people call them thistle seeds and I do not see them eating that regularly. Chickadees just aren't regular customers to that kind of food. But there it was, and it was just, a, man, it was just really neat. You felt like you were, oh, during the filming of Wild Kingdom, I was Marlon Perkins or Jim Fowler, one of the two there with his chickadee. Although you know, Jim Fowler wouldn't have had to wrestle the chickadee to the ground while uh, Marlon Perkins tried to sell us more life insurance. But it was still it was pretty cool. And uh, Robert Louis Stevenson wrote, A birdie with a yellow bill hopped upon my windowsill, cocked his shining eye, and said, Ain't you shamed, you sleepyhead? A European starling's bill is turns it turns yellow as the breeding season approaches. So you can see that in a lot of their bills now. In the rare occasion when I get out and actually tool on down the road, which I'll be doing today, uh, you know, I get to go see the friendly medical professionals. So I, I see flocks of horn larks, and some spend the winter in southern Minnesota. The horn larks that migrated south begin returning north into Minnesota in early February, and we see them on roadsides, and they are just uh, beautiful, beautiful birds. I have a cardinal and a house sparrow, and they're each missing a tail in my yard. It's not the same tail. They each have a lost or separate tail if a feather is broken it remains broken until the next molt so that could be a long time if the feather is pulled out regrowth begins almost immediately Uh, i doubt the loss of tails of fraternity initiation birds could lose their tail feathers in a fright molt 
which I think would be a great name for a movie, but it's Fright Molt. <laughs> so maybe they're trying to avoid being captured. And those tail feathers come out easily, leaving the would-be predator with a mouthful of feathers. How does a bird without a tail do? Well, tails are important, but they're not critical to survival. They can still eat. They can still fly. Uh, they might get a little cooler than normal. I don't know that that's necessarily true, uh, but they do certainly lose that rudder, so they probably lose some some dexterity in the air. I've heard from a good number of people, as we talked about last week, who've seen Carolina Wrens this winter. Uh, Matt Young, who is a collections management leader at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Macaulay Library, said the red crossbill is the most recorded bird in that library, but the Carolina wren is next. My wife showed a uh, showed me a photo of a from a friend of ours named Dan Egolf. Dan runs a business called Alaska Nature Tours, and he has a retail uh, store, and I don't know the name of it, and I don't know that I've ever known the name of it. I've been in it a number of times. <laughs> but he sent Gail a photo. He was leading a, a tour up there, and he had his spotting scope up and on a tripod so they could everybody could come up and look at things. And then he was off doing something else, and he came back, and there was a bear standing up like it was looking through the spotting scope, only it was eating the rubber part like around the lens on the, the spotting scope. And Dan said he was able to repair it because uh, the bear had a good appetite for rubber parts of spotting scope. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Rick Draper of Albert Lee said, ooh, edge of wetlands. I got to watch a somewhat large cat-sized fury, fury animal in a backyard that looked a lot like a Minnesota gray fox. Definitely not a raccoon. Uh, feeding on the bird seed and mostly, I think, the fruity deer pellets, which the deer seem less interested in than black sunflower seeds. It was grayish in color, really cute face like a gray fox, slightly darker legs, decently fluffy tail, but not hugely fluffy, perky, not small, not too large, upright ears, and a lot of white under the chin. Fun to watch, excites the interest meter. The yellow bug light on for the backyard light, perhaps not so bright of yellow, helps mimic moonlight better than brighter white, and they mosey and poke around less suspiciously. Uh, Vicki Laroon said, and also from uh, Tom, uh, says we've had a little more activity in the backyard with downies, hairies, red-bellied woodpeckers, along with nuthatches, cardinals, juncos, and our belo your beloved and mine too, chickadees, in the last few days, and always the hordes of sparrows. It's just a little eighth of an acre, about two blocks from the river. It has totally surprised me to see the birds we've seen in the last three years, especially there were a couple big crows in our neighbor's backyard today, but I could not see what they were interested in. There's lots of bunny poop around, maybe leftovers. <laughs> Gerald Hopstra sent me a photo, or sent a photo of a snowy owl and a northern goshawk in Rice Ooh. County. Beautiful photos. Nice. Jack and Rita Corman of Alden sent me some photos of a possum. 
they said when he is under the bird feeders, we ring a bell. He charges up on the deck and takes treats we hold. He loves chocolate chip cookies. Oh. And I asked if they nicknamed him Pogo because that's what everybody my age nicknames possums. <laughs> Anthony Clifton said, I knew I'd see it eventually, just didn't expect it today. I was watching the feeders from a window, looked away for a second, and heard a flurry of flapping. Looked back thinking today's rare starling visitors weren't as fat, but instead saw a sharp shin hawk trying to nab a junco, I think, amidst an explosion of fleeing birds. I have lots of brush behind the feeders, and the hawk had a hard time navigating that, allowing the prey to escape. Saw the hawk pursue it until they flew out of sight. Checking in, the Carolina wren in the yard is okay, hiding out in the brush. Shoo. The cardinals have all vanished. I'm pretty sure the downy woodpecker, a male, had already been scared off by a starling. And the juncos are gradually returning. I've seen the hawk or another like it going from fence to fence looking for prey. Just glad the little wren is okay. Uh, Marion Ball of Faribault says, My cat was having a fit of apoplexy recently when a pileated woodpecker was on the feeders 18 inches from the window. He was as long as the feeder. Unfortunately, all the openings to the seed were on the lower end, so he didn't get any treats. Probably would have cleaned it out. Julie Johnson. Boy, I got a lot of nice photos. It's just a really cool-looking at them. Uh, photos attached show some of the 30 cardinals I counted this morning, 15 males, 15 females. Hope I can keep them in feed. First photo is through the kitchen window at the feeder. Second image is through dining room window of a few more feeding on the ground. This was simply amazing. I've never had more than 20 prior to this year, and then only rarely. This has been an ongoing sight for a couple of weeks. Oh, Julie, I, I get three, and I'm just so excited to have three, so I don't know, 30 might do me some sort of medical harm. <laughs> A, I mentioned a, a brown thrasher wintering here in Minnesota, and I said it decided to winter in Minnesota, no reason given. And uh, friend Jack May said, would a bunch of them be called a crew, a thrashing crew? That's excellent, <laughs> Jack. Uh, Ruth Searle, a friend from Woodbury, said, hello, Al. I heard the chickadees. Springs here song the day before the last snowfall arrived. I was walking around one of the ponds in my neighborhood. It always cheers me up. Tim Scott sent me a thing from National Geographic. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has devastated the Costa Rican economy, shutting off the spigot of tourist dollars that has underwritten the shift towards environmentally sustainable livelihoods. And I have uh, been to Costa Rica, led a tour there, and it was just uh, it's an incredible place. So I'm hoping it gets back to things get back to the way they were sooner than later. Uh, Nina Hale said, I believe they moved the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport snowy owl a while ago, but there is a reliable snowy owl in Rice County close to Near Strand Big Woods Park. I've seen it five times but it's always 300 to 400 yards out into a field. There are six to eight gray partridges there as well. They are invisible if not moving. And I was lucky enough to hear from Vicki and Tom uh, Laroon again. I just dropped my pencil. That's what the pause there was. I'm going <laughs> to hurt myself. I just sharpened it. You know, it's really... I you could hurt I your toe, stab your toe I, or something. 
<laughs> that could have been oh, dreadful. Yeah. Uh, Vicky said, because we have so many sparrows, I filled two feeders at the far end of the backyard with a mixed feed, thinking I could get the spudsies away from the cardinal nuthatch woodpecker junco and chickadee feeders close to the house not so much when i filled the close feeders with black owl sunflower seeds again after a few days we got my favorite birds plus the sparrows back and our sharp chin hawk she's beautiful and we think she likes to pose and sent along a picture of that and uh, vicky said thanks for being here al all things birds and bliss for you and mm. yeah and to you as well vicky uh, Ken Spellman of Albert Lee sent me, he said, please see the attached article that I picked up today from the Washington Post about squirrels. My squirrels have their own feeder, which I have placed on the ground in front of their favorite tree and fill every morning. That does not keep them from venturing into other feeders in the yard, which I try to keep full for the birds. The two main feeders were installed by my mother and father and can be seen from a three-sided window that looks out onto the yard. I have my mother's bird books stacked by the feeders so I can check out who is coming to eat. One of the feeders is a platform feeder that I have had rebuilt, and the other is a feeder that is shaped like a feed mill that I have also had rebuilt. I have a great many lesser feeders spread around the backyard. As you have pointed out, the bird squirrels and rabbits eat in shifts. The woodpeckers and blue jays like to seize on a nut or sunflower seed and fly off to a tree and digest the same. Other birds are not so picky. I am being especially careful to keep all the feeders full during this Arctic snap. I am also going to, after reading the attached article, see if I can form the kind of relationship that Pam Spitzer has with her squirrels. And Pam... Um, Spitzer wrote in the Washington Post about the uh, trials and tribulations of being, uh, I think, less than perfect health during the pandemic and not really being able to get out, and how she made a friend with a uh, with a squirrel kind of in the same condition, and it was a, a wonderful article. Uh, Bob Williams saw a varied thrush in Rice County. I remember TJ had one in Medelia a few years back. A sharp shin hawk was spotted by Aaron Peach in Nicollet County. Tom Bovers saw an American coot and a great blue heron, also in Rice County. Uh, Robert Watson is seeing a Carolina wren in Mauer County. Uh, Skyler Hepler is seeing a Harris's sparrow in Nicollet County. Joyce Tabor of Asco, Minnesota, wrote, When I sit in the living room at night, I hear owls hooting. Are they calling so they can mate, or is it too early? Uh, Joyce, uh, greenhorn owls can be noisy during territorial formation and pair bonding, and this is usually December and January when we hear a lot of it. They lay eggs sometimes as early as late January and as late as into March. And it varies, of course, with location from southern to northern Minnesota. When a pair of owls call a duet, the female usually hoots first. And hers is higher pitch. Now, she's bigger than he is, so you'd think she would have the deeper voice. But the smaller male has a bigger syrinx, which we would think of as a voice box. So his is lower pitched. 
And if you hear them hooting, Joyce, you can hear them. I know you, you're you noticing this, that one will call and then the other one. It's, um, you know, the few times I've been allowed to do shopping in a grocery store, I'm there, and people are on their phone, and they're saying, no, I'm in aisle nine, you know, talking to their spouse. It's, what kind of oatmeal was I supposed to get? So they each kind of break up and each have their own cart, I guess. So these uh, owls are doing that same kind of thing. Not They're not shopping for oatmeal. At least I don't think they are, but I suppose they could. We got the great backyard bird count just right around the corner. It's uh, it's free, fun, easy event. It engages bird watchers of all ages in counting birds. And it creates a, a real-time snapshot of bird populations. So participants are asked to count birds for as little as 15 minutes or as long as they wish on one or more days. It's a four-day event. They report uh, their sightings online at birdcount.org. And anyone can take part in the Great Backyard Bird Count. Uh, Each check, you know, you don't have to be an expert. You can participate from your backyard anywhere in the world, actually. And each checklist submitted during this great backyard bird count helps researchers at the National Audubon Society, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and Birds Canada learn more about how birds are doing. And the 24th, this is the 24th annual Great Backyards Bird Count will be held Friday, February 12th through Monday, February 15th. And you can visit the official website at birdcount, one word, dot org for more information. I have a question, though, because a lot of times a lot of birds look like sparrows. So I think they're all sparrows (laughs) sometimes, unless it's obvious because they're a cardinal or something. So what if you have someone like me who's doing the bird count who mistakes like a Harris sparrow for a chipping sparrow for something because they're not really sure? Doesn't that mess up their results? And so, I mean, shouldn't you leave it to the experts like yourself or... What are your thoughts on that? Karen, if you do that, just, you know, take a picture of it and send it to me. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, I'll happily tell you <laughs> and I would. Yep. I'll say, Al, is this a sparrow? Al, is this a sparrow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll at least pretend to know what it is. No, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you if I, I don't know. When, you know, men, when you're uh, a young man, the hardest thing for you to say is, I don't know. Yeah. And then you hit a certain age and it becomes the easiest thing to say. You say, <laughs> I don't know. And it just saves all that stress about what was I right? What was I should know that. They're going to think less of me because I'm stupid. It's just pretty easy to say, eh, I don't know what that is. Because, you know, the older um, we get, we realize that we're, we're probably stupid. So it's like, who cares, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just get yeah. to that point. It, and in my case, anyway, I, I've known all along. I just wouldn't admit it. You know what that is? And, well, I, I, I'm stupid, but I'm not telling anybody because they'll never know. Well, they do. Uh, somebody got uh, a text here saying, uh, talking about the pogo under the deck and feeding it chocolate chip cookies. What does it eat besides chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, you know, possums would have a rough life if they just depended on chocolate chip cookies. And I, I say every time I talk about possums, if they went to school, they would flunk spelling, but they'd eat their homework because possums will eat almost anything. 
And they're under our feeders a lot because they're eating bird seed. But they also eat uh, worms, compost, snakes, acorns, insects, slugs, uh, eggs, young birds, berries. They'll eat decayed or overripe fruit, grain, ticks, garbage, carrion. They will eat things from the garden. See, I've never. I would want a family of of possums under you know in my hosta garden, but. Because I have slugs, you know, but I we we worried they might eat the the hostas too, so that's the problem. And I I've never had a problem with them eating anything from the garden, and oh. I know somebody's listening that has oh, because sure. I'm sure they wouldn't be averse to eating some a tomato or something. But I have seen them where you put stuff kind of off to the side to compost, and they have come in and they will eat some of that that is decaying. Uh, whether they like that, maybe it's easier for them to eat, or they can smell it and know it's there, I, I don't know. I always I want to help possums. Oh, you know how I we, feel bad for them, because they, they get kind oh. of bad name. And winter is tough on them, because they have those naked ears, nose, yes. and tail. And it's susceptible to frostbite. And I have seen the tips of the tail just turn that terrible black color. Oh. And I'm thinking that has to be so painful. I just I feel so sorry for them. And, and I like possums. Um, I, possums probably, again, if they were in school, they'd flunk spelling. But they'd probably flunk a lot of other classes, too. <laughs> But yet they're able to survive out there and do things that uh, we certainly could not do. But they probably aren't the the sharpest animal in our in the outside world class that what, we have here in Minnesota. What other animal is closely related to a possum? I mean, you know, sometimes you think a squirrel, chipmunk, but what are they? They're not a rodent, really. So, do they have other close relatives? Boy, I don't think they'd have anything oh, okay. around here that would be related to them. And the ones we have here are, of course, called Virginia possums. And why are they called Virginia possums? Because Virginia got the first, they were there before us, and they got to name it. Oh. And they are, uh, oh, they're like a marsupial. But they're not, you know, a lot of people will call them a, a rat or something. But it's a marsupial or pouched mammal, and it's. I so suppose they're related to the kangaroo, is what you're saying? <laughs> I, I would guess the kangaroo and the koala oh. are probably their closest relatives. There might be some other ones too. I know there are possums other places in the world that are most assuredly related. The possum is North America's only marsupial, so they're off there pretty much all by themselves at family reunions. There's no um, other animals coming to those. But yeah, they. Uh, I, I just feel sorry for them. It's a, it's a tough world out there. Well, uh, they get run over on the road. Yeah, of I was going to say, what is, their, what is their greatest predator besides cars? Yeah, boy, that's probably, cars are tough on them. And in the weather, if we, somebody, I remember when I was a kid, said uh, uh, winter was a predator. And I oh. I never thought of it being a predator, but I suppose if you're a, a possum outside, it is a predator. But owls will get them, hawks will get them, uh, okay. red foxes, dogs. 
maybe a cat, like a big tomcat, may oh. be able to get one. And I remember our dog grabbing one, and I took it away. And, of course, the possum was playing dead. Its tongue was <laughs> hanging out. And the, the dog thought it really done something. So then the dog came back in the house. And hours later, I let it out again, and it, I forgot all about the possum. Here comes the dog with the possum again. Oh, no. So I, I get the, Gail and I get the possum away from the dog, and we put it down there. And I'm thinking, maybe it's really dead this time <laughs> but uh, i looked outside and it had wandered off so then we let the dog out again of course the dog went right oh, no. where that possum had been and then looked at both of us like what these things don't die what is that? i don't know <laughs> what lives else i can do like here. a cat <laughs> yeah hey so it was they were pretty cool i've got a couple of folks who have texted us with questions for you and the first one is from our friend don in cannon falls he says does al bat put out beef suet in this cold weather thanks i do put out suet don great to hear from you it's always great to hear from you i do put out suet and i i will put out the suet blocks too the you know i don't know what you you get them at all the bird seed stores or hardware stores those little blocks of suet so yeah i sure do and uh, a number of things will eat it uh, i see Juncos will even eat suet, especially any bits that fall to the ground, and it makes sense as juncos will feed on spruce budworms and con- consume insects during their breeding season. But robins will eat them if they fall, the chunks will fall to the ground. But, of course, woodpeckers and uh, chickadees and a lot of those wonderful birds love suet. And if birds are much of insect eaters at all, they will enjoy the suet. So, yeah, I sure do. And um, I'll put those little blocks out just in a little cage thing, and uh, they feed well. And I am all out of suet from the, uh, what everybody calls it, the butcher shop or the meat locker right now, but we certainly do feed that as well. Well, when you put the suet out, the, the most of the ones I see have seeds embedded in them. Do you just put plain suet out with no seeds in it? I just, uh, I do pretty serious shopping on that. I find the one that's the cheapest, mm-hmm. and then I buy that oh. and put it in there. And sometimes it does have seeds in it, uh, um, fruit and everything in it. And I don't know, they all seem to go at the same rate. Uh, oh. I will I will say anybody puts out suet, if starlings find it, you will get a party of starlings oh. coming in and say <laughs> they love suet. So and they will fight over it just like us at the getting that last turkey drumstick at Thanksgiving. So, but it's uh, it's still fun to see the birds feed on it. I've got another text from Mike and Albert Lee. He says, "Deer have been raiding our sunflower seed feeder overnight. I put out cracked corn last night. They ate all that and the sunflower seeds. I have read that too much sunflower seed isn't good for deer's digestive system." Yeah, and and thanks, Mike. It's great to hear from you. It's, you know, people have, uh, a lot of people feed deer, and they have, you know, they hear that it's not good. But, boy, I'm familiar with Albert Lee, like where the Albert Lee Seed House is. This last year they had to fence it all in because the deer were coming in and eating uh, all the trees that were growing that they were selling, and they were even eating the potted plants, those tiny, tiny little things that you come in and buy a little four of them for five bucks or whatever they are. 
And I, I don't know about how, what impacts. I don't imagine too much of anything is good for them. I know acorns and corn, they'll, are among their favorite foods. Oats, they like a lot of oats and wheat. And of course, uh, alfalfa a little bit. Uh, even winter peas, somebody was telling me, they love clovers. So I don't know how much difference my sunflower would be from corn and oats and wheat, as long as they don't eat too much of it. So if they aren't um, just foundering with it, they'll probably be okay. But again, I don't, uh, I don't know for sure about sunflowers. I have watched them come to our feeders, and this tongue comes out. I swear it looks like it's about two feet long, <laughs> and it just curls up, and it takes all those seeds... Uh, and just whoop it's like a frog with a tongue coming out and catching a fly in the air and it just swallows it down but i will uh, do a little bit of research on that mike and see what i can find from some uh I'll talk to a couple deer hunting friends they'll they'll know everything so but i appreciate that and that's all the text i have for this morning but we appreciate you mike and don it's always great to hear from our listeners well, thank you very much, everybody. And uh, I want to tell you, don't put your elbows on the table today. Um, <laughs> don't don't put your elbows on the table. That's something every mother learned to say in mom's yes. school. It wasn't polite, and it showed us as a Neanderthals we really were. <laughs> and I recall being a young man who stopped at a greasy spoon. Uh, you all know of a greasy spoon. I entered smirk first because I was of that age. And the cafe offered good food, and it had both flies and those sticky flypaper ribbons hanging from the ceiling. And I sat down and ordered the breakfast special, and I put my elbows on the counter. I was wearing Uh-oh. a long sleeve white shirt. It wasn't the best shirt, but it was my good shirt. And I figured that don't put your elbows on a table rule didn't apply to counters. I was wrong. My elbows became stuck to that <laughs> sweet epoxy made from escape maple syrup. And moms are right. They know stuff. So listen to your mom. I want to shout out a congratulations to my granddaughter, uh, Joey Bat, who uh, was named uh, Player of the Week in wow. the um, Northern Sun Conference. And uh, it was just really cool. So she uh, she can she sure play hard. ball. Yeah, that girl. She's something else. So you she takes after the bat gene, I guess the 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 athleticness. Because I know you were a big baseball player. I don't know if you did much basketball. Yeah, yeah, played basketball, football, softball, volleyball, whatever you could play. And uh, and she gets her orneriness from her grandma. So <laughs> okay. the, the combination there. <laughs> Thanks again, everybody, for listening, for calling, for emailing, for texting. It's great to hear from you. You are all, you are the smartest people on earth, so we depend upon you. Remember, Heartland is well worth driving past. Uh, thanks for listening to me, and thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. Everybody do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Hey, thank you, Al. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, stay warm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, love talking to Al Bat. He's a great guy, and we put his shows that we do here on the SoundCloud. If you go to SoundCloud and KMSU, there's Birding with Bat stories all saved up from the past. So if you miss one, and I usually try and put some of the topics that we talked about in the description. So if you know if there's certain some something you're looking for, you can can look at that as well.
It is 1034. I've got some more music coming up for you. And I've got Prince. Little Red Corvette was released on this date back in 1980.